Welcome to Out of Curiosity. Consider us your field guide for queer pride. You will hear from the best of the best in terms of queer business leaders, queer relationship experts, the activists working to protect us all, and everyday LGBTQ plus people that have figured a few things out so you don't have to. Out of Curiosity is brought to you by the Pride and Joy Foundation. Let's do this. Out of Curiosity, the podcast for the Pride and Joy Foundation. And we're so excited today because we are going to do an interview with a parent, which I think is really important. It's one of the things that Pride and Joy Foundation is doing kind of differently than a lot of nonprofits is we are trying to reach out to the parents of our LGBTQ youth to empower them to be the advocates that their child needs needs them to be. And I think a big part of this is that a lot of our parents of Gen Z are Gen Xers (laughs) and older millennials, younger Gen Xers or older Gen Xers, either one. And we are ready to be there for our kids, but we often don't feel like we can be there. Like we don't have the skills. We don't have the knowledge. Like we have this great desire to be the kind of parent our kid wants us to be. I think Gen Xers and millennials were very much raised that way. However, we weren't raised with the context, the knowledge, the skills that our LGBTQ children need from us. And so that is what Pride and Joy Foundation is trying to address through the Pride and Joy Parents program. And when I say parents, that's like a really loose term, right? Like that's biological parents, that's foster parents, that's grandparents, that's teachers in the classroom who spend like 30 hours a week with our kids, right? Like that is everyone who is invested in the healthy well-being of a child because when When we have healthy children, they can grow up to be healthy, functional adults. But if we have damaged and hurt children, it's really a bigger challenge, right, to have not hurt and damaged adults. And we all know those adults in our lives that are still damaged and have a long road of healing to do. And if we can prevent that, right, by empowering the parents that are there with them on their growing up journey, then we're going to have a healthier LGBTQ plus community moving forward into the next generations. So with that information, we have with us Megan Pemberton. She is an Whoa. old friend, right? Like from the <laughs> early days. And I know. <laughs> But someone who has been with our Pride and Joy Parents Group very much from the beginning and has reached out and we've been able to support one another in a lot of different ways. So let's kind of jump into this. As far as our parents are concerned, one thing I really want to talk about is that something recently came up in your school district, Megan, that I think is coming up in a lot of school districts around the nation. Will you kind of tell us about how that went down? So yes, back in January, I came home or I had actually been in the hospital. And so my poor non-binary kiddo, I keep telling them, I said, I hope I react appropriately when you told me what you told me, because I think I was still on a lot of medication from being (laughs) in the hospital. But they came home from school and were just in tears, absolutely devastated. Some child in one of their classes at the local middle school, which is a public school. I don't know if they just discovered my child is non-binary or if they just decided to bring it up that day, but came up to my child and said, you're queer, right? And my child said, yeah, I am. And said, well, you should just be absolutely ashamed of yourself. You know, you're going to hell and you should just go home and kill yourself. 
And I was completely shocked. I didn't quite know how to react other than obvious empathy in the moment. What as a parent I should do in that moment as far as the school went. Obviously, first and foremost, it's making sure my child is okay. And while they were very hurt, they were okay. Second of all was reaching out to the school. And there is a lovely woman in our district who was my children's principal at the elementary school for several years. And now she works as a, I guess, inclusion person within the district. Um, So she had happened to be there on the day this incident occurred and pulled Jacks down to the office and they chatted for a while. She made sure that everybody was safe and there was discipline that happened with the child who said those words. And they are not allowed to be nearby my child at all during school. After that happened, I felt inspired to speak to my, I am a very nervous public speaker. That has never been my forte, which is ironic as a theater person, but you can get me to sing a song and I'm fine. Talk to a bunch of kids. I'm great. Speak in front of adults. I really struggle. So I had begun writing what I wanted to say. It had to fit within two minutes. There's pretty strict parameters at a school board meeting of what you are and are not allowed to say um, and how much time you have to present those points. And Elena was amazing in getting on my Google Doc and providing me step-by-step critiques positive critiques on how I could make my talk to the school board more impactful. So at the last school board meeting in January, I got up in front of a bunch of people and I told my children's story, not just my non-binary kiddo and what has been said to them, but also my eldest daughter who's a lesbian and who was outed in sixth grade by a classmate, which prompted my daughter to tell my husband and me. And There were a bunch of other kids at the school board meeting, too, that sat behind of us. Some of them spoke. Some of them spoke beautifully. And some were just there for moral support with their rainbow flags and their rainbow T-shirts and just showing solidarity. And it was a really incredible evening. I wouldn't say I felt like a ton has come out of it, but I think that I opened some minds and I've had some really positive feedback from my student, my children's teachers, from their administrators. And from people in the community that at least know me somewhat. So I think that sharing that experience and making people aware of what goes on behind closed doors in the schools was super important. So many questions. Okay. (laughs) First of all, clarify something for me. Mm Did you decide, okay, this incident just happened and I'm going to the January school board meeting or was there like the January school board meeting was discussing something around LGBTQ already and you were throwing in your voice? Which one was that? So the previous school board meeting, which had been, I think the day before Jax came home and told me about being accosted at school, they discussed taking down, there is a just inclusive group in their school called, called the Rainbow, Rainbow Alliance. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. And, but their entire purpose is not just for LGBTQ kids. It's for kids of all different races, creeds, religious denominations. And it's essentially a group where the kids are just 
being kind to one another and coming up with ways that they can include everyone in their school. So anybody that's on the fringes, they can bring them in, help them make a friend, help them make a difference within the school. And for some reason, the local school board took issue with that. If you walk through the middle school, teachers have on their doors, you know, I'm a safe adult stickers on their doors, or they'll have pride flags in their classrooms. And those symbols as, okay, so as myself, as a theater teacher, Mm -hmm. I make sure that my kids know that I am a safe person to talk to. And in a middle school, it's not always that easy to do. So just by doing those simple things, putting a pride flag up in your window or a I'm a safe adult sticker in your window, we know that having one affirming adult in a LGBT child's life makes a world of difference for suicide prevention. Apparently, the school board and community members took umbrage to that, decided that the teachers and the school were trying to indoctrinate their children and turn them gay which is obviously impossible. So it was myself and then several other community members who have gay kids or who themselves are gay that came out to speak en masse at that meeting just to make a point that what they had said at the previous meeting was not going to be accepted and was not an acceptable way to view our children. Was the Diversity Club, the Rainbow Coalition or whatever that club was, is it still there? Was it able to maintain its status? It is. Uh, Principal really stood behind it. And I misspoke. It's called the No Place for Hate Club. Love it. So um, they are still, he posts quotes from them in the emails that he sends out, what they're working on that month, what their focus on is as a club within the school. So he has been incredibly supportive of the program and making sure that it continues because they've seen positive things come out of it for our kids. That's something that I'm seeing more and more, which I think is fascinating, is that we have parents and teachers and principals that are like boots on the ground interacting with our kids every single day and are seeing the need for inclusivity, for safety and belonging. And oftentimes what I'm hearing from teachers and principals is we need your training. We need you to come in here and train us and give us this this LGBTQ lens on inclusion, right? And then I get to the school board and the superintendent and it is the exact opposite. It is shut down. We are not discussing this. This is too crazy of an issue. This will only cause contention. Like they will not even approach the conversation. Whereas their employees who are boots on the ground, like I said, are like begging for it. (laughs) I find it absolutely fascinating that this is where we're at. How does it make you feel knowing that this is the group of people that's running your school district? I'm frustrated. Um, One part of speaking to the school district is that they are not allowed to react to what you say at a school. Oh, that's one of the rules. Which I didn't know when I started and I was really frustrated when I left the meeting because they could all give closing remarks, but they didn't give closing remarks in anything regard to anything regarding what was spoken of that evening. And I found that super frustrating. And then one of the gals that was with me was like, well, they're not allowed to, they can't, there can't be a back and forth dialogue. It just has to be, you present your point, they thank you for your point, they take it under consideration, and then perhaps they discuss it in their 
you know, private work session. I have gotten nothing from any of the school board members whatsoever. They all know my name. They know my information. Nobody has reached out from that particular group. I've not seen any, I guess I wouldn't say that they have backslid at all. So nothing has changed negatively, but nothing has changed positively either. And I find it frustrating. I get that the majority of school board members are also parents. They're members of our communities, right? They're people who volunteer their time for these positions. So on one hand, I greatly appreciate that. On the other hand, I don't know how you can conduct school business and make decisions for students and teachers when you're not in the classroom, when you're not there, when you're not actively involved in what is happening within the schools. I find it incredibly frustrating. Standing up at that meeting and communicating in a really impactful way, because I saw the video and it was freaking amazing. Thank you. How did that influence or impact maybe your relationships with your kids, your relationship with your husband? Like, what was that experience like and what was the outcome of it interpersonally? My kids came with, we left the boys at home. They were a little young. They would have been squirrely sitting through a school board meeting. But Bella and Jax, our two eldest, came with and were teary when I finished. They have said thank you for speaking up. And I think they know too that I recognize that I don't know how much of a difference that made, but I think it was important for them to see that their parents, because Bob spoke too, so their parents were on their side. Their parents are willing to go on a public forum and speak out for their rights and not just say, oh, I'm an ally and sit at home And say, oh, I love you. I'm so sorry school was hard. I'm so sorry this isn't working. That both Bob and I are willing to go out and try to do something about it. We're not going to be successful most of the time, probably. But I'm going to put in the effort to make a difference and to continue to learn and to grow and to be a better advocate for them. So many of our parents have spouses that are not that supportive, that wouldn't have maybe the confidence, but also like the conviction to be able to speak publicly like that. What was that like for your relationship with your spouse, your partner to both be that visible and that vulnerable? Cause that's a big deal. I was nervous about it. I, the business that I am a part of is far enough away. We're a good 20 miles away. It's a different school district that financial repercussions weren't going to be huge, but you know, Bob still works for a very conservative company. They're wonderful people, but they're very conservative. And I worried about he being disciplined or having some sort of professional uh, repercussion. I did speak to my boss and let her read what I was going to say before I said it to not necessarily to get her approval, but just to make sure that she didn't think it was going to blow up on us. Yeah. You run a small business. That's a very valid concern. It is. And I, and because it's her money tied up into it, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to hurt. I think both Bob and I felt grateful that we had the other person there. He's a wonderful public speaker. Like I think he could do that for a living. Yeah. He He could. could sell, you know, grease to a mechanic. Like he is, He is a very social, very outgoing, very engaging person to speak with. And I am not typically that way. 
And so having him there to just be like, it's fine. I don't know what you're scared about. It's going to be great. And then he was shaking and nervous and I could reassure him. I think that was mm. helpful. And again, our kids seeing a united front, seeing that we are both there, that we love them unconditionally and that we're willing to speak out and support them was huge. I love that. So did you feel considering the community that you're in, I think there are probably parents listening to this saying like, okay, what kind of blowback was there, right? Did it influence any friendships that you have? Having friendships as an adult is so hard anyways, right? And it might not be like just the school board meeting, but maybe just having kids who are out in general. How has that affected your life as, as a parent, but as an independent adult living in that community, right? I will say that I think once Jax came out as non-binary and I started calling them Jax on Facebook and posting pictures of Jax with their shaved hair and their whole amazing vibe because it's amazing. I, a lot of people have unfollowed me on Facebook. Mm. A lot of parents that I taught their kids for years at Spotlight didn't bring their kids back or put them in another cast. And while I can't be certain that that's what caused that, I'm pretty confident. I was very nervous when we reopened the theater that I wasn't going to have anybody that would want to join my cast. We also have a non-binary director at the theater, and I was very concerned about them and their, the parents' reaction when they knew that this person just introduces themselves by their first name. But it's surprisingly, I'd say overall, gone incredibly well. Mm -hmm. Um, Even people who... I never in a million years would have thought, would have posted anything supportive, said, wow, way to advocate for your kid, way to speak up. Like our kids need more people who are willing to show up and practice what they preach and put themselves on the line. So I would say the majority of it was very positive. There were a few news articles that came out that quoted me. I chose not to read the comments from those because I read one or two and then went, nope, that's not a good mental health place to be. Good boundary. Good boundary. And it's, I don't know those people, so they don't matter. But I would say in general, um, my friends, my true friends have been very supportive and very kind. They have taken Jax's change of pronouns really well. They've really made an effort to get it right, even though sometimes they make mistakes, they make that solid, solid effort to get things right. And even, you know, Tracy, who is my very closest friend, we've run two businesses together. Her husband is a pastor. And when I first told her that Jax had come out, I would, I didn't know what to do with it as a parent. It's a hard thing to say. So as a very liberal leaning person, which I have been from my teenage years, I have always had friends that were gay. I grew up in the theater. I have been pro-choice my whole life. Even being the human that I am, I would be lying if I didn't say it took me a minute to absorb that my child had a different identity than how I had raised them. And I remember going to Tracy and crying a little. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what this means. I don't know. I don't know if this sticks, which now it is, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and 
Jacks, I don't think ever saw any of, well, at least they hope they never saw any of those hangups, but it was nice to have people that I could trust that I could have those, oh crap moments with, yeah. without feeling like they were going to judge me. Yeah. I had support. We love Jacks and we want them to be happy and this is what's making them happy. So let's do it. Mm-hmm. And that has been incredible. Because even Tracy's husband, who is a very conservative pastor, calls Jacks, Jacks. And I would say 90% of the time gets the pronouns right. Mm. So, and that has been a hard thing for him, but he has really, really, really made an effort. So I have some pretty awesome people in my life, I think. I have to say, I think that's one of the best parts of the journey of being either personally LGBTQ plus or as a parent of an LGBTQ plus person is there's so much anxiety that goes into being visible and being out, whether we choose that or whether that is thrust upon us, right? And the amazing thing is realizing you had so much more support than you anticipated. Absolutely. You know, it's funny with social media because we actually stay in touch with people from our lives like 10, 15, 20 years ago, and we knew them then, right? And now we've only known them for the last decade or whatever on the internet. And then when something like this comes out and is public and is visible, and you get the opportunity to hear supportive feedback from them and Mm -hmm. unconditional support from them, it blows my mind every time because I'm like, yes. I didn't know you evolved. <laughs> I didn't know you were capable of this kind of unconditional support. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Right? I think that's a really great part of the journey is, yes, that some people are going to come out negatively. There's there's no doubt about that, right? You're going to lose some followers or, or mm-hmm. right, some relationships are going to fade away. That is going to happen. But It seems that these days, often what we feel the most, if we're open to it and we're receiving it, is incredible support from places that we never realized would be supportive. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool, cool journey. And I'm so grateful that your friends were there as well. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of our monthly advocacy support group is that parents do need a place to be able to come and say, I'm feeling some emotion (laughs) and I can't show that in front of my kid because I don't even know what it is. So I can't process that in front of them, but I need someone. And it's the other parents that can say, yep, been there. We're here for you. We know what that's like. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to question. Like all of those things are okay. Now it's not okay to necessarily put all of those, the grief and the doubt and the questions on your kid. That's not right. But being able to have a really safe place like you did to be able to process a lot of these new concepts that again, we were not prepared for. And I remember I actually had an Instagram post probably a while ago, and it was one of my biggest ones. And it was a photo of my partner and my daughter's in the kitchen baking. It was like at the height of COVID, right? And so it was like sourdough bread all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I posted that photo and I talked about how my partner's mom had never thought of her adult life as like this, right? My partner's mom really dreamed of a husband and a house and, you know, her own biological children and doing that whole trope. And that's not how it came to be. And I was giving permission for Barbara to be able to grieve that. Right. No, you can. That's okay. That's okay. It doesn't bother me. Right. I know how amazing my partner is for my girls and vice versa. 
But I also understand that as a parent, you have these visions of what your child's life is going to look like as an adult. And when it doesn't turn out that way, and it almost never does, <laughs> it is okay to grieve that vision. And I think the response that I got was, it was incredible to me because it was so many people sent that post to their parents and said, it's okay for you to grieve. And then those parents came back to me and were like, thank you. Cause I needed that. Right. And that was just the, I think that was a huge part of why we started the advocacy support group is that we need those places. We need those places where we can feel that whole spectrum of emotion. We absolutely do. In fact, I told I, one of the few things that I have let slip since the kids have come out is, I think it was last weekend, I said, you know, I'm sad I'm never going to get a son-in-law. Like, in, unless my two boys end up being gay, all signs point to no at this point, but you never know. I said, I was really, Bob and my mom have such a wonderful relationship. Aww. They go, you know, to games they together. They spend a lot of time together. And my relationship with Bob's mom is, is not great. And so I have this fear and I'm sure again, being an adult, recognizing that I have this fear, recognizing that I can make choices to do things differently. I hopefully will have a wonderful relationship with all of my daughters-in-law when I have them, but that I did tell my kids, I'm like, that was this one little, I'm like, it's the silliest thing because I know I'm going to love my daughters-in-law, but I'm a little sad. I don't get a son-in-law. And they were like, huh? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you're like sucks to be you like I don't know. <laughs> oh, I love Gen Z they're like that's not my problem like right it's not their problem <laughs> and I didn't mean it you know to put it on them that I'm like I love it you guys are great I'm so happy I'm like that's kind of one little piece that out of all the things to be a little bummed about that one kind of surprised me <laughs> Wow, I love it. So here you are integrally involved in a small business in your area that works with kids. And any business that works with kids works with their parents because that's who's paying the tuition bill, right? Well, yeah. How would you say your experience as a parent with LGBTQ plus kids has affected your career? I mean, I would say that I think I'm lucky that I'm in theater because mm-hmm. I think even in a conservative community and I would say the majority of our parents that are our clients are still very conservative people. I think when you're involved in theater, just in general, you have to be a little bit more open-minded. I think there were a lot of parents that were surprised when Jax came out. Although to be fair, that happened during COVID Mm. when we were closed and we have come back and a lot of my parents now didn't know my child before they transitioned. I'm pretty open and honest about talking about it because I don't ever want my kid to feel like they have to keep anything to themselves. I'm sure there are things that are said behind closed doors. Nothing has been said to my face. And if anything's been said to my business partner, she hasn't shared that. And knowing my business partner, she would just tell them to pound sand. Like she, she's very supportive and wonderful and would say that has no effect on how she teaches her classes because it doesn't. I'm not teaching politics. I'm teaching theater. I'm teaching them how to dance and act and sing and to be a good human. And being a good human means being kind to everybody, being inclusive of everybody in your cast, of making sure that everybody has a friend and 
you know, that's, that's the impact I can have on their kiddos. I'm not trying to, certainly I don't wear my, you know, Biden Harris shirt to work. That would be inappropriate. That would be inappropriate. And I don't share my political opinions with my students. And I don't really even share my social opinions with my students other than we love everybody. We're kind to everybody. That's what we do in this building. That's what we do in this business. And if you're not being that way, then we're going to have an issue. Yeah. This is in such stark contrast to a recent experience I had. So my daughters needed braces as as they do. (laughs) And so we went, you know, to the near nearby place. And I don't know if it's just here, but orthodontics now is like a whole experience. It's crazy. There's like rewards and there's video games and there's it's amazing okay it is crazy thank you for understanding that so we went and it was very get to know each other and so I let them know what I do I do inclusion trainings and classes and workshops etc and the owners actually reached out to me and said we we understand that we're getting more and more LGBTQ kids and we would like to learn more about how we can make sure we're being inclusive and not exclusive blew my mind Excellent. That's amazing. So great. Up until we actually got together face to face to talk about it. Oh no. And they very clearly said, because part of my program of what I do is that once they complete their inclusion program, they get a safe space sticker that they get to put on their door, right? With the inclusive flag. And and they were like, oh, oh, no, 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 we want to learn. But we can't like display anything. We're going to lose way too much business if we do that. And here, (laughs) but what I'm hearing is this contrast of you and Tracy running this small business and saying, yeah, if anyone has a problem with our LGBTQ community members, they can go pound sand. And then on the flip side, I have this experience of a company saying, I mean, we want to be nice to people, but we want, we don't want our community to know that we are inclusive. It blew (laughs) my mind. That's crazy. Blew my mind. And he said, he even went to the point of saying like, he's a part of a networking group of orthodontists across the nation. And he brought it up to them before our meeting saying like, have you guys ever done anything like this? Has it paid off for you? And according to him, the response was, yeah, you might gain a few clients, but you're going to lose a lot more than you gain. And that blew my mind. It's, it's it's hard not to spend my money places that are doing terrible things to people like my children. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It feels like there's no victory a lot of the time. I hear that. And I think that's a great way to wrap up this conversation is what is a recent victory that you've had as a parent of an LGBTQ child? Is there something that you're like, that, that filled my bucket, that let me know that I'm on the right track as a rainbow parent. I'm trying to think about that for myself as well. Our eldest child, our eldest daughter has a girlfriend for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that was another one of the things I, it wasn't obviously in any way, shape or form that I was opposed to it. Not at all. I just genuinely didn't know how I was going to feel when she brought a girl home. I didn't know how I I would feel if she had brought a boy home. So it's really no different. And 
seeing how excited she was to share with us that she has a girlfriend, somebody that she's lovey-dovey with, that she brings her over to our house and they hold hands and they snuggle and they have no fear other than of Bob making fun of them on occasion. I don't think they have any fear about being in our home. They're happy to be here. Her girlfriend likes to spend time with us. She chats with us and Bella has been so much more social since it happened and wants to tell us all about her girlfriend and what they're doing and how she's feeling. And as a mom, particularly of a kiddo who has been pretty closed up for a really long time. Yeah. The fact that she's so excited to share with me. And I'm sure most moms of teens can relate, right? There comes this point where they just kind of close down a little bit. They're a little more secretive and not in a bad way. They just keep themselves to themselves and they're not, mom and dad aren't cool and they're not excited to share things with mom and dad. And so I think the fact that we've gotten to the point where she is excited to share has felt like the biggest victory I've had in years. It's really amazing. I feel like I'm finding discovering another side of her, really discovering the person that she is. But my husband doesn't get teary. Like I can count on, I mean, two hands maybe, but probably one hand in the 25 years that I have known him, how many times he's cried. And this weekend he got, Bella's girlfriend came over and they'd gone on a date the night before. And he goes, I just never thought this was going to happen because I never thought our child would be the one that's going out on the weekend that has this person that they're so, you know, infatuated with that she wants to share with us, that she wants her friends to be over at our house, that she wants to do all those things. And he was teary and crying because it's like, it's been such a long road and this is incredible. So I, I, you know, I think the best thing is just being patient and being there and being supportive and waiting. And hopefully you get that. It's not a payoff. We're not doing this so that we can get some sort of reward from our children. But that's a pretty awesome payoff. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing victory right there. I mean, that's huge. And, and I really feel that with myself as well. I, with my four kids, quite a few of them are not the social butterflies. Right. The one you know is, right? Karaya <laughs> would be out every weekend if I let her, right? right? But the other three are really not. And so to be able to both accept and embrace that isolation that they put themselves through, as well as hold out hope. Mm-hmm. That, that as they grow in their social interaction, they will get to know themselves more and we will get to know them more. Yeah. And that connection could grow stronger. And I think that that's such a testament to feeling comfortable to communicate with your parents when you're ready. I mean, yeah. regardless of what your relationship is with your parents, you're going to have a time of isolation from them. That's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But when that time can come to an end and you can reconnect and rediscover who they are, in a really beautiful, authentic way. Oh, that is a payoff. That is a big I love it's it. Amazing. I, I, it's really the best feeling. Probably the happiest I've been in my 16 years of parenting. So. Oh, that is inspirational. 
and hopeful and wonderful. Thank you so much, Megan. This oh was lovely. Thank you for having me. I always like chatting with you. Oh, if there's, is there any one last thing, maybe what would you say to the parent that you were two years ago? If you could tell her anything, what would you tell her? Don't be afraid. This has nothing to do with you. And your job is to love unconditionally, learn as much as you can, and be as supportive and vocally supportive as possible. What I said to the school board is something that I've been really working hard to live by is that I won't, I will no longer be content to be an ally. I want to be an advocate for my children. And to me, those are two very separate things. Being an ally is being a silent partner, right? Saying, I'm here if you need me, but that's about as far as I can get. And being an advocate is somebody who actively goes out trying to make change and make things better for their kids. So when you're ready, advocate, 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 advocate. We need more parents, more teachers, more good humans that are advocating for the rights of our children, for the rights of the LGBT community at large, and just for humanity. <laughs> humanity needs some help. So, yeah, I think that would be the biggest thing. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, my friend. Hey, fam. Huge thanks to my dear friend, Megan, for sharing her experience with us. So just yesterday, I facilitated a discussion around one of the most banned books in America right now, the graphic novel slash memoir, Gender Queer, by artist and author Maya Kobabe. In this conversation, we're all LGBTQ plus identifying individuals, no parents. Folks, I cannot describe how pivotal reading this book was for every single person in the room. Literally life-changing. And a lot of the story centered around how Maya described coming out to her parents and how they responded. Light bulb moment for me. <laughs> so our next meeting of Pride and Joy Parents is going to be a discussion around this book, taking place on Sunday, May 22nd, 2022, at 11 a.m. PST. Go to prideandjoyparents.com for more details. I can't wait to see you there. Be good to yourselves, fam. I appreciate you.